0: Yo, 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 welcome to the old school gym radio. I'm back, Coach Myers. I got my co host, the business boss that keeps all the gym bros in check, Nettie G. What up, Nettie? What's up, D? Hey, yo, know, we got a good one planned today. I got my man, two time Olympian, associate head coach, head coach of the Ohio RTC, and former heavyweight, now shredded, Termel DeLagnan, What up, T?
1: Glad to be here. It's gonna be fun.
0: Yeah, so T came out, but he's got to big pump on today. Now, I think something we need to talk about first, I mean, I just kind of ran through his introduction super quick. I, I said two-time Olympian, uh, you know, so Travell represented the United States, wrestled in Rio and in London, and I just want to make it be known on air that Nettie did not understand what that meant. So <laughs> No, N- I didn't understand
2: what it. I didn't, I didn't digest the enormity of, of his accolades. Yeah, so, well,
0: I, I, think, I think that I want everyone to realize, so Nettie has met Travell numerous times. <laughs> She's heard me talk about him. You know, Terrell and I have worked together for a long time down at Ohio State. We've been training partners pretty regularly for the last year or two now. So she's heard me say a million times, two-time Olympian. Well, then today, when we're getting ready and kind of going over some stuff for the show, she goes, "Wait a second, (laughs) you were in the Olympics?" (laughs) (laughs) I
2: did. I did. That was a fun moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I think it's just one of those things where I mean, obviously, I just wanted to bust your balls a little bit about it, but I think when you know we so get used to hearing accolades and hearing things like that we don't really understand what that means like oh like two-time Olympian like Travell represented the United States it was the best guy in the country not just once but twice so you know got to do the open ceremonies you know run out there with the flag and the warm-up and all that stuff I mean it's pretty cool stuff right
1: yeah it was uh definitely memories of a past life but it, was, <laughs> it was fun times
2: so let's just start there though kind of like let's start with wrestling and take us back to when you started wrestling and like through how like through your training to the olympics well
1: the road to the Olympics.
0: i mean i think you know if someone's made the olympics twice in wrestling he's probably been wrestling since he was three years old right
1: no no we'll see so (laughs) yeah funny story no i mean my my story a lot of people in the wrestling world know but i started wrestling in 10th grade
0: so i which for the record was the same year i started only I didn't make oh, it to the Olympics.
1: Perfect. No, so uh, I I was very, you know, like active as a kid, but I never really got into organized sports. I grew up in Texas, and so I was a bigger kid. And so you play football in Texas if you're big. And But I'm Bulgarian descent, and my family didn't understand American football. so it Did was you kinda, start off with soccer or anything? Or? Yeah, well, I tried soccer in, in fifth grade, and um, we were in El Paso. And so... It was me with a team of small, lightning-fast Hispanic kids. (laughs) And I just couldn't do it. They come out of the womb playing soccer. I mean, they were savages. So so that went a year. Then I tried out for seventh-grade basketball. And I thought I I killed the tryout.
0: I wish we had some tape of that.
1: And I thought I killed the tryout because I played pickup every day. I was (laughs) balling. I I loved basketball. (laughs) But didn't make that team. So then I got real unmotivated and my next thing was pokemon cards so i just ground like pokemon cards <laughs> so that was that, so so all, every competitive ounce of me it was just like i'd go to tournaments and stuff oh okay. so you get
0: po- your first like real competitive like taste for victory was pokemon cards. oh yeah I love oh that. yeah
1: i'd scout opponents i'd have but anyway so so yeah going into high school i remember seeing wrestling as an elective and i'm like oh you get to hit people with chairs and stuff this is sweet <laughs> Um, but they're like no no this is real wrestling and I don't know what that meant but I was like okay whatever well then sophomore year I was I was pudgy and like obviously I'd never had any form of training or anything it was just playing um, and I remember my the reason I went out was I'd see the wrestlers work real hard during PE class and I, I was like I'm gonna get in shape I'm gonna get shredded and pick up chicks. So that was, like, my first... wrestling
0: would be a vehicle for you to get muscles. Exactly. So you didn't have
2: any family members or anything that were wrestlers or even, like, older brothers, sisters, anything like that There was, like, leading the way. You you had to lead the path here. Okay.
1: Yeah, first-generation wrestler. Okay.
2: Which is impressive. It's super
0: impressive. I I bet when people hear that you were, like, your family immigrated from Bulgaria, they probably think, oh, well, they came from this long line of (laughs) Bulgarian wrestlers and Mm -hmm. powerlifters or something. Because Bulgaria traditionally is a wrestling powerhouse.
1: No, no, my dad... My dad dabbled in boxing, but it was just recreational. Um, and yeah, my sister didn't do any sports, mother. I mean, not, nothing.
2: So it was pretty strictly vanity reasons in the beginning.
1: Vanity started it out. And okay. so, so that first year, actually, I didn't compete at all because I was failing class. So I was real unmotivated. I was the kind of kid that I would like, if I got a 66, I would just, I'd make sure like I got a 74 next six weeks and then I'd get a 70. The only thing that was keeping me motivated is don't fail because then you get held back, and that would be embarrassing. Otherwise, 70s are fine, you know, Cs are fine, I don't care. So really, I I, I would never do any homework. I would be very, very low effort, but I, I could, like, get whatever grade I wanted. I was, you know, decently smart as far as taking tests and stuff. So I just was really unmotivated in school. And so that first year, my sophomore year, well, Texas has a no pass, no play. And so if you're not, if you're failing a class... You can't participate in the sport, but I didn't really care. But I didn't miss one workout, so I went to every single practice, every single lift. But I actually almost was like, I kind of don't want to go to competitions because it'll ruin my lifting schedule, or it'll, you know, like it's <laughs> so like I have to miss a lift to go to this competition. So it was all about the workload that first year. Um, were, were you
2: getting stronger and ripped at the same time? Like, what, what were the results, or was it mental? Where were you? Well, something okay, so, was keeping you so, motivated? So talk,
1: So here's. The, so you guys are from the, in the fitness industry. So here, this. this I is, hate that word, but yeah. I guess or, so. or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, but the the here here was my first. So so I got my first taste of of or my first idea of dieting was. If you don't eat fat, you you won't get fat or you won't be fat. So then I, so I basically, so for about three months, I ate frosted flakes, which have zero grams of fat okay, and skim milk, which has zero grams of fat for three times a day for every meal. Um,
2: Your parents let you do that?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, they probably didn't know any better either, <laughs> okay, right?
1: But- so I went from like 220 to like 165.
0: Holy smoke. And I so even though that's all carbs, it's not very many calories. Well, it's just not, yeah, it's
1: not a lot of food. It's zero, And you're like growing zero, like you're zero a zero growing protein, like no. boy, yeah. So I'm yeah, so, so I'm thinking like just I'm losing like five pounds a week, thinking like, oh man, I'm going I'm losing fast. I'm not, I mean I'm just shrinking myself. But anyway, so I get to about 165, and by that time, I'm going into the summer of my sophomore year, and that's when my I started to really get like like excited about the sport itself. And so I kind of I so I cut that out. I couldn't sustain that, obviously. Uh and I went to, so my next thing was Flex Magazine. So I get Flex Magazine mm-hmm. and that's what I'm getting I'm you know I'm looking at the side articles like okay, this many grams of protein, blah blah. blah. So then I start so I build back up to about 184. And that was my weight class in high school. It was uh, Texas has a 180, but then I started to, and then I kind of slowed down on the The bodybuilder side of it, and just because I kind of started to really like the sport, but that's kind of how I got into it. So now I'm back to full circle, just right back to the bodybuilder. So,
2: but it was truly just an elective, it was a class, it wasn't like you were going out for the sport, it was a class that you could take at your school. Well,
1: I guess so. I I guess I should explain. So, in Texas, you can actually, instead of taking your PE credit, you could take your sport counts as a class, and it's a period. So, you actually have that period. And then we would practice after school, like any like a regular sport. Okay. So you, I was, yeah, you were going out for the sport, but it was like I just remember you could, on the schedule, it was also listed as a class.
2: Okay, gotcha. gotcha.
0: Kind of like how we we had weight training in my high school, you got credit for. Right, yeah. right. So.
2: Okay. Interesting. Okay, so when do you start to excel in high school, like at, at the one eighty level? Do you start to see that right away, or do you uh, dominate right out of the gate?
1: Um, I mean, not dumb, but I definitely got good right away. So I was, you know pretty athletic for for being a big guy and and you know meticulous with with technical details so like I got really into you know certain movements and things the,
0: that kind of the mindset and the skills that you learn in the Pokemon world exactly ex- so I just
1: I understood I understood the, the <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds ridiculous <laughs> don't it okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: But you, but you never even you didn't win a state title in high school or anything like that. I didn't.
1: So I came out like I, you know, I'm so that first year of competing. So sophomore year, just did workouts. Junior year, I came out. um, I won like forty something matches, and then I I got fourth at state. So that was still like I thought. I mean, it was pretty good for my first year competing, being a state placer. High school didn't have a ton of state placers, so I, I was I was actually the only one that year. And then my senior year. Uh, I was ranked number one for a while. Then I lost in the state semis and got third. So, yeah, I didn't win a state title. So, did pretty good. But then...
0: But you, it, but you didn't do it good enough. You got, did you get recruited out of high school in Nebraska County or did you just kind of walk
1: um, on? It was kind of more connections. I mean, I did get, quote-unquote, recruited. But I went to, like, out-of-state tournaments and went 2-2 two and two at the at Fargo Nationals and stuff like that. So, nothing crazy, but... I just know, like, like everyone's, my coach, the communication with my coach was always like, hey, this kid just started, big upside, he loves it. But, you know, a lot of coaches don't care about that. They just want to see the results. So, my my assistant coach in my high school was the brother of Nebraska Kearney's head coach. Oh. And my high school head coach went to Kearney High. He grew up in Kearney. So, it was kind of like, hey, give this kid a chance. So, I, I, I went in on, I don't know what the equivalent percentage was, but they gave me $600 scholarship. Right. So, then...
0: But but and, I, and just, just as a side note, they're like a division two powerhouse. Yeah. So here we are, you know, they're a traditional powerhouse at the division two level.
1: And and so by that, but the, the cool thing was my junior year, I got I, I fell in love with wrestling. And so what I did was I just knew that I I don't want to do this only for two more years. I want to do this longer, so I gotta get into college. So I got all my grades, I pretty much made straight A's junior senior year, got my GPA up. I got a good SAT score, which waived my out-of-state tuition for, to most college. So, like, that's why Nebraska Kearney was they good wrestling program, Division two. you know, not play, You know, I mean, I'm, it's my third year wrestling.
0: Yeah, like, let, let's just kind of play devil's advocate. I mean, if you would have, like, somehow wouldn't try to walk on Division one, you might not have progressed as fast. Yeah,
1: maybe not. You know? So, yeah, development is an interesting road. So, I just knew that I wanted to keep wrestling. Nebraska Kearney is showing interest in me and it's gonna be cheap to go there I can afford it so
2: and are you still like because I'm like blown away right now that you, it sounds like I mean obviously your parents were there but it sounds like you're kind of the self-motivating this whole this whole track for yourself like does something did you have a group of friends all of a sudden at the wrestling team or a coach or are you just kind of like understanding the path as like unfolding for you and you're getting serious about it? Like take uh, us through when your mindset, because I'm I'm just taking you from 10th grade to Olympian. I'm like something. <laughs> what's what's happening here? Most Olympians, I'm thinking their parents are grooming them from yeah, you birth. Think, you to think this of like the road. gymnasts where yeah. the parents
0: are like making them do handstands, right? On so floor. I'm like
2: blown away that you're this like teenage boy kind of <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, you know, your own path. Um,
1: yeah, I mean my parents, they my dad was kind of not in the picture in a lot of it, and my mom she's kind of funny. She's still funny. I mean to the to the last years of my wrestling. I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm ranked, you know, third, second, third in the world. And I'm going to a tournament overseas. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I t- I'll tell her, like, yeah, I have Kazakhstan first round. And she'd be like, oh, be careful. We need to be careful. <laughs> 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 we need to be careful. Like, I, I'm not, be careful. Long, like I've been, I've been rough, like, I'm planning on beating all of you. Be careful. <laughs> or like when <laughs> like I, be, I need to be careful. When I be getting ready for the trial, she's like, oh, this is. She's like, I know you beat these guys last year, but this is the Olympic trials. are gonna come a lot harder. Gonna come a lot. It's gonna be a lot harder. I'm like, Mom, you're stressing me out. Like, right? Mom, out. I'm the soft dog. Chill out. So, so she, she like, she was very involved, but not like, from a push me standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, for me, it was just like, I just kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I kind of have. Well, I definitely have. I have OCD, mm-hmm. and wrestling fit the mold to like kind of pour out all these like compulsions you know into this because it was like it was like a deep enough pool where you can answer a lot of questions and develop yourself in a way that isn't limited by athletic ability so athletic ability will help you and I definitely had god-given ability to help me you know learn techniques quick and just you know work ethic stuff like that just natural things that I had going for me but also as far as I was concerned I couldn't sprint fast so if you are a faster sprinter than me you could probably uh, there was only one position in football that interested me and it was wide receiver and i wasn't going to be there (laughs) um i just just didn't understand the game you know uh and so so that so like or or all these other sports where you're limited by hey i'm just faster than you so i can get to there before you can so it doesn't matter how well you know this sport i'm just going to get there before you um so wrestling was one of these things where you it was kind of this bottomless pit of Different ways to do it, mm-hmm. you know. So that's what really intrigued me, and I kind of just dove head head in.
0: Now, now one of the things that I've always been really intrigued about about you is just kind of like, and this is something you work with a lot of the athletes at OSU with is just kind of their, their mindset and their confidence, you know, going into competition. So now, you know, fast forward into when you got into college, you're in Nebraska County. You won what, one, two, two national. T- so you won two national titles there. But at what point did you start to think? did you start to realize like, hey, I can be the best, not just at the D2 level, but I can be one of the best in the world? When did you kind of have that epiphany or did it take place before you were actually there?
1: Um, It was, I don't remember like, I remember pinpoint, I don't know about the best in the world. I just think it's like you take it in stride because I I won a lot of big matches, like matches that people would say are like career pendulum swinging matches. The first time I made the world team, strictly on like momentary decision-making and winning the match. It wasn't like, like, like my first world team, I made the, or my first world team trials in 2009, I made the finals against who'd you, who'd Mako. You be? Marco, okay. So I was against Steve Mako. And I remember-
0: Legendary division one, heavyweight. Yeah. And legendary guy.
1: So yeah, he battled with one of the greats of Ohio State, Tommy yeah, Rollins. And he was like
0: Tommy's, uh, Tommy's nemesis in college and at the senior level. when yeah. he was an Olympian himself.
1: Yeah. I and mean, so funny story real quick, tangent, Mako, the first, my first year wrestling, I watched. So I started in November, and that March, I watched Tommy Rollins beat Steve Mako in double overtime. And seven years later, I got to beat that guy to make a world team. So
0: <laughs> that was like your your first taste of like high level high heavyweight wrestling. Exactly. Watching those two in the NCAA finals.
1: Yeah. So I have. So I had Mako, and I remember my, my mentality was. I'm second in the US. As long as you go out there and don't get embarrassed, it's a good year. And then I ended up winning. So it wasn't. <laughs> so it wasn't like like I didn't, it wasn't this this the reality was sometimes you the circumstances are the the match is the match. No matter like I definitely didn't it wasn't like there was no way I was not gonna win that match. No, no, I was planning on hey, just don't get beat up. Like, you know? So and then I ended up doing the moves that worked. But it was uh I remember going to my first training camp as a sophomore in college. Tolly Thompson was the world team member, and he invited me out as uh, one of his training partners. And I remember wrestled Damian Hahn, who was a two-time national champ from Minnesota, back, you know, and and I, I took him down a couple times in a match, and he, he rolled, I think it was three, three, I took him down three times, and he rolled me for 3-1. So he won the match, but I was thinking like, it, in a college match, I got more takedowns, you know. So, and, and right. I wasn't a freestyler at the time, but I'm thinking, and I got to wrestle with Daniel Cormier, all these legends at the time, and I'm thinking like, this is this is when I want to do this. So I don't know if I was like I can do this, but I remember thinking that's like I want to go past college. I want to see how good I can be. I
2: like it. Okay, so that's that's you get you finish all the way through, correct? Four years college.
0: Four years college. Okay. And then, yeah, there's no getting drafted a year early. <laughs> yeah. You didn't leave rusty. early. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so your but your first Olympics, how how long after you graduated from college did you participate? In the, uh, it was 08 Was your first? Oh, uh, twelve.
1: Twelve so, was okay. So Sorry. I graduated in eight. Okay. Four years later, so I made the world team the next year, nine, and then I made nine. Didn't make it in ten. Made it in eleven. Made the Olympic team in twelve.
2: So really, your first opportunity out of college, you you nailed it. You nailed yeah. It. Okay. Awesome, and then can you tell can you tell us like what's your biggest memory or like the I don't know like your highlight of the Olympics? Is it the trials? Is it actually being there? Is it opening ceremonies? Is it it on the mat? It might might be something that no one could even dream is like your highlight of of your Olympic experience.
1: Um, I think for London, it was the trials. The trials was definitely a big one. I mean, just because you know you still wrestle the same guy. I mean, it's the same guys every Mm -hmm. year, but the Olympic trials, there's like this, you know. You're like, oh man, I don't get another shot at this for a while. Who knows what's gonna happen? Was that the
0: year they did the trial finals in Central Park? Uh,
1: yes, just for Reese. Okay. So I had already
0: made the team. Gotcha, gotcha. Um,
1: so yeah, so I remember the trials. I remember going through like, I remember the whole day being very, um, like like not a ton of emotions, but I remember like noticing that what like I remember being like man, like, this is, like, I'm in a good place. Like, and I remember every match, I was, like, honed in. I was very focused. And I remember, fe- like, feeling that that was different than usual. I remember thinking, like, not a lot of nerves. Like, this is, like, I remember being, like, when are they going to come? You know? But I just remember being, like, I go out, I execute. And I remember that being strange to me. Because I remember the whole process, I kept thinking, like, like, man, like, is this, like, is this a trail? Like, is this going to, is this going to all come yeah. at so me? Once, a, like
2: you were having an eerie calm. Like, yeah, I was, like, an eerie
1: calm. It. Yeah, okay. exactly. So those are cool and then the fact that my wife and a couple of friends got to go and they got they went to the opening ceremonies and the whole time all three weeks of the olympics that was cool so just like she was my pressure release because at that time my first olympics i my mentality was not very good i put a lot of pressure on myself and it was kind of like you'll be if you know you're going to be a failure if you don't get what you came here for so don't don't look at anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Blinders. You shut your mouth. You take it, and you win this thing, kind of thing. So, so I, I A did bunch it. Of self-imposed
0: pressure, exactly, which is usually quite helpful, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> always works. It always <laughs> works.
1: Um, so, as far as so that was London, Rio. Leading up to it, I had it was the, it was the opposite. I was injured pretty bad, and it was kind of like I was wringing out myself for this last little bit, and I didn't know how much I had left. So I took a step back and I literally shed the performance. I was like, who cares how you do? Like, like take a step out, look around. You mm-hmm. know, like, like, and it was, and I felt like in London, when I didn't medal, all my teammates that medal, I was like super jealous of, and I was like mad. And I'm like, like, I remember like wanting, like wanting a couple guys to lose, like in the medal match. Like, hey, you lose just like me, you know? Like, like, like kind of that right. bitter. It's a
0: weird, selfish, but natural emotion. Natural, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And I remember in Rio, the fact that I was kind of over my own performance, what was refreshing about that? What I remember most about Rio was like how much better of a teammate I was because I was genuinely just personally. Maybe I don't know if they experienced it, but personally, in my own heart, I felt much better about how much I wanted those guys to actually do their best.
0: So Burroughs, if you're listening, in uh, 2012, Terrell wanted you to lose.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And when you lost in 16, I was heartbroken.
0: (laughs) So let's back up to the London Olympics a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, you you said you had a lot of self-imposed pressure. And I think this is something very common with athletes, especially high-level athletes. They put these not just unrealistic expectations on them, but they start to think like, okay, they start to try to what you always say is control the uncontrollables. They say, "Okay, if I don't if I don't medal or if I don't win, then I'm a failure." And so, why don't you talk a little bit about that kind of that mindset and how detrimental that is to performance?
1: Yeah, I mean, the idea. So, so, there's a lot of things that go into this, and one is the natural desire to control what you can't be controlled, and that's that's why I mean, that's that's why I have OCD. That's why I it it, it was hypersensitive. It's kind of laid dormant since I'm not a competitor, but I can still feel myself, like, get little ticks and stuff.
0: Um, If you watched our workout earlier, it's definitely not laying dormant. He's just obsessing about pecs and being...
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, no, no. But I used to... Guys, I used to do some weird stuff. So not like like obsession, compulsion. So, like, my obsessions of perfection would come out in, like, me touching certain parts of my face a certain amount of times, scrubbing my tongue against my teeth... The way that I move my feet. Is the way this
2: competition I OCD or just life OCD?
1: Um, well, for the longest time, it, they were mixed. Okay. So it's, okay. it's, I've kind of like, I've prayed and like kind of talked myself, just realityed myself out of it. Mm-hmm. But I still find myself like, when I get like real, like nervous, like even now as a coach, even though it's nothing, like I still find myself like start doing stuff and I can stop. The difference is I can stop myself, mm-hmm. but I remember like there was times in college and in where I would have to like, like express a certain thought in a compulsion or else I would just have anxiety all day long, mm-hmm. you know? So, But the idea is you you have this uh, something that you want, you have a, a circumstance that you want to happen to you, you have no control, you don't know. So you obsess over it, you basically try to tell yourself, you, you, you give yourself as many fake guarantees to calm your anxiety. And mm-hmm. so athletes are in the business of Anxiety relief, but what we don't know is a lot of times the things we use to relieve our in the moment anxiety will come competition, stack a ton of anxiety on us. So like even like think about coaches when you say when you encourage someone like hey, two months you're gonna be the state champ. That's pretty harmless at the time, especially if I'm just doing curls in the mirror. You say hey, that's why you're gonna be a state champ.
0: We're gonna top the podium in March.
1: Top of the podium. Top of the podium. Well. (laughs) You know that feels good when there's nothing on the line, but when it comes March, and I see the score is zero-zero, and I still got to wrestle this guy, I go, well, I've been preparing like this is a gimme for the last two. You know, it's like uh, there's no there's no challenge in our words. We just want guarantees. Right. Instead of the coach saying, "Hey, you got two months, let's see what let's see what you got," like you you know, so so a lot of th- times we, as coaches and even competitors, we say whatever we need to feel good and lower our anxiety about the uncontrollable right now, like, oh, okay, good, I'm the best, oh, thank goodness. Hey coach, you think I'm the best? Okay, he thinks I'm the best. I can go play video games now. But instead of being instead of being okay with the unknown, that guy's really good, I'm really good, it's gonna be zero-zero when it starts, let's see what happens. And being exci- like getting an excitement from the unknown.
0: See, especially with like, let's say my high school kids, because they have the state tournament coming up here in a couple weeks, I never try to give them guarantees, but I always, I always ask them, you know, I know what their goal is, but I'll say, what's your goal? And they'll say, I want to win the state title. And I just always tell them, no one's going to give it to you. Everyone else wants the same thing you want. No one's going to lay down for you. And I just try to tell them, remind them that so that they continue to work hard. I feel like if I just sit there and tell them, you're going to win, you you know, Maddox, you're going to win because you're the best. And you got the best flow in your hair (laughs) and, you know, the way, you know, you got that crab ride and blah, blah, blah. No, I I just don't, hey, I don't care how good you are. No one is going to lay down for you, no one's Mm going to give it to you. So. And that's
1: and that's the better message. And even and even for me, what as I honed in and honed in and tried to like figure out how the heck do I get more out of myself, the biggest thing that I found was the closer your motivation can be to what you're actually doing, like 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 moment to moment, the less anxiety you'll experience and the more excitement you'll experience. So what I mean by that is if you're excited about winning, I promise your anxiety will be skyrocketing. Because...
0: Because there's uh, so many unknowns before you actually win. Exactly. It's like, if
1: it's, I, I, I can't wait to win, then you're going to be stressed out until you win or until you don't. But if you're excited about the task you're performing, so mine would be wrestling. If I, if I could get myself excited about, it's going to be hard, but can I do it? and create a curiosity like okay so like he's good at this but can but am i good at this and can i get to my this and can i keep him from doing this and then can i do it again for this guy and then can i be prepared enough and and can i be in shape enough and then when i'm when i'm on the treadmill i'm not thinking do this because because i'm the hardest worker i'm thinking in the moment i'm thinking i'm i'm running this treadmill because it's getting my legs more in shape and that's gonna make me feel better in the third period of my wrestling match. That's why this is valuable. And when I lift weights, it's not because it was, you know, there's, you know, I'm this hardest worker or, or because this is, I'm not trying to deserve anything. But whatever you're doing, if you can strictly get motivated by the task that you're doing and personal development. If personal development and progress is your goal, your anxiety will be naturally lower. Than someone whose end goal and everything they talk about and everything they do is for something, because right. no matter you can do everything right and not achieve a goal, and you can do everything wrong and achieve a goal. Now, obviously, yes, one gives you a better chance, but there's I've lost to some to some lazy scumbags, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm thinking I'm so disciplined and never take a sip of alcohol and go to bed at eight o'clock and days it's your a guarantee of win right. it's like I mean if, you're, if, if you' if you look at my resume against some of my losses deserved it <laughs> but hey guess what he got he got the, he got the double. Oh, That's you know
0: whether we're talking about sports or about life you don't get what you deserve no one does you know you, you get what you work for and you get what you earn and that's why I think that's part of the reason people are so drawn to sports at a high level because it's such a such a representation of life in general you know and it's and it's very unpredictable too. So let's, uh, let's, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I want to I go back to something we were talking about before we started taping. Mm-hmm. So, Nettie, tell us about this the show you guys were talking so, about. So,
2: I was um, just chatting with Terrell before we started recording, and A asked him if he'd watched. Um, some documentaries. One of them, Born Strong, if you haven't watched it, everybody watch it. He's going to watch it tonight. Tonight. But um, I asked him if he had watched uh, Icarus. It's a documentary on Netflix and his response was, I lived Icarus. (laughs) And (laughs) my mind is honestly still blown. So I want him to talk about... Well, Tell us
0: first, what. give us a quick 10 second overview of Icarus. What is that? Because I've never seen it before.
2: Icarus is a documentary about a gentleman who is um, an amateur cyclist. Who is being outperformed, and it kind of ha- has suspicions that some amateurs are doping. And since he's amateur, he's like, "Let me try it." He's a he's a documentary filmmaker. He wants to do his own doping regimen, and it's hard for him to find people to participate. He finds a Russian doctor that will help him with his own doping, and um, the this unfurling of a Ro- the Russian doping scandal. Um, is a side product of this gentleman's uh, documentary that goes way bigger than anybody could ever imagine. And this so, is something that's
0: in the news really a lot. Is the whole Russian doping yes. scandal with the Olympics? And, and-
2: right. So, the, and I'm not sure how old the documentary is. It's, it's not that old, um, but that the, basically the end of the story. The you know the top is blown off of the Russian athletic or Olympic committee, and they've been doping for. It's uh, undetermined right. yeah. forever at this point. Yeah, in time. How, how long has the Olympics been that's, around? That's, I yeah. mean, and that's that's the question. And they are, you know, basically trying to peel back how many athletes, how many years, and how deep this goes. And that's where you know Tervell said he has lived Icarus, and I think he's still going to be living Icarus for a while, as so many other Olympic athletes are. So walk walk us through, you know. The, the match that you had against somebody that has actually, it was part of the rushing doping scandal and kind of what's happened after that.
1: Um, yeah. Well, one of the competitors, the, the, the guy that beat me in the semifinals of London, his name is uh, Artur Tomazov. He got his, he won gold. So he's the, the most credentialed heavyweight of all time. He, he won silver in 2000, mm-hmm. gold in 2004, gold in 2008, gold in 2012. Wow. So for 16 years... He was in the Olympic finals and three of them gold. So that's, I mean, that's, that's unheard of. So, so he's the only three, I mean, he's in freestyle wrestling. He's,
0: he's got- There the, was a Russian that did it in Greco, but never there's had a Russian in freestyle. Did, yeah.
1: So same pedigree. Well, he just got his 2008 gold medal stripped.
0: Okay. So what is it, they went back and did they test one of his samples from 08? Yeah, they tested
1: So they they have 10 years- They store them. They store them for 10 years. So they tested them from 08. Uh, so if you saw
0: it, if you're listening, get on those 2012 samples. Yeah, get on man. those 12s. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, but that, that's, that is the point of the the documentary is a lot about the urine samples, where how they're stored, the A-B testing. There's That, that really goes in depth. So I do encourage everybody to watch it because it'll really lend a lot of information to what Travel's talking so, about. Yeah, let,
0: let's just say like, okay, now our, you see the guy, you know, four years prior to you wrestling him, he, his gold medal's taken away for there. So we can assume, and I've seen the pictures of the guy. Nettie, you looked at pictures yeah. of him beforehand. I mean, it's there's a there's some cases where it looks borderline, and then some athletes you you see right away, and you're like, okay, this guy looks like Ronnie Coleman, but he's a wrestler. Um, it might be a chance he's doping, right? So you lose to him in the semifinals in 2012. You know, let's say if he was a clean athlete, or if you wrestled someone else because he didn't make the team because he wasn't clean, you're in you're in the medal match to win gold or silver. You know? Yeah. So you think of a lot of times when people think of, you know, people doping and cheating and using steroids in sport, the main thing they think about is like, okay, well, that person cheated to win. But the bigger part, I think, is that he cheated you away from winning. You know, he, mm-hmm. you know so his cheating had a direct effect on you and everyone else. You know, so it's not even so much about that person. It's about what they've taken so away t- from everyone else.
2: Let's talk about that mindset. How do you, you know, living Icarus, being an athlete that went up again, knowing that someone is doping... How do you? How are you not pissed off? How are you? Do you not feel cheated? You know, and the systems are in place, but like as an athlete, like I would, yeah, I would be pissed off. Like, how do you deal with those emotions of you did it the right way, you did it clean, especially the Olympics, which you trust. Like the testing is at such a high level there that there's going to be clean athletes, and to know that like you were essentially cheated out of that, like how, you have and to I'm, have I'm some. I'm sure it's
0: not like some like new revelation that this guy was dirty. I mean, I'm sure at the time no, there was.
1: time. I mean about it was it, always. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, even the Russians from other, you know, Caucasus. You know, I mean, my buddy from Kyrgyzstan would say, on the he could, on the Olympic years, Tamazov gets on a really good vitamin regimen, <laughs> and then he'd laugh, right? right. So like, that's like,
2: what I was gonna. What are the undertones? Like, yeah. what are the what? So, are, what's the stuff you know that you guys chat about and know? Like, hey, he's on the. Jew. I mean, yeah. I saw the pictures before the podcast. I'm like, duh, and I don't even know anything about it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 pretty well known. But it's also for for a lot of them. It's not a big deal. It's pretty.
2: So you guys just regular. take it in stride, like that's just part of competing. is people are going to cheat. I and mean, you just honestly, deal with honestly,
1: it? like the like as you guys are talking about it, it's like, <laughs> what the heck, you know? But, but <laughs> like like when you're in it, you honestly, I mean, you prepare for what it's like because
0: again, you can't control it.
1: You can't control it because it's like, what am I going to go test him? Because I mean, he he was tested. He passed the tests until. I mean, the doping was ahead, and then they went back for a sample. Luckily, they landed on his, or unluckily for him. Right. And they tested him with with new stuff, and they found something they couldn't test for mm-hmm. seven years prior. So, for me, it was, it really doesn't cross your mind. I okay. mean, like for me, like when and my loss is my loss. You know, like when I think about it, it was like, right? It was like you you blew a position, you lost the match. You know, so so yeah, it doesn't really. I don't know, the emotions, how you were saying the emotions about getting cheated, I don't don't necessarily feel cheated because it's like, it's such a, like wrestling, just like, I feel like I would feel more cheated if it was like weightlifting or track, where it's like perform this task and may the best man win and it's you against the task. But it's like when it's you against another person,
0: you feel like there's so many. There's variables. so many different ways that you can. There's so variable.
1: many ways you can beat him. Mm-hmm. Like like I could like I beat you him the year just, before.
0: You can't just pinpoint just because he was juiced. Exactly. That's why he won. Okay.
1: Exactly because I've beaten, I have I've, I've beaten him. I've beaten other athletes that juice. So it's like you never look at. It's it's really hard to like. It, it's look a variable. At it like
2: exactly. like oh like let's say you have a bad day mentally. I don't know something yeah. bad happens in your world. That's like, like one of the variables of that day. It's like uh-huh. hey I beat him because. He so that's like
1: com- combat sports are when it's what it's human against human instead of human against task, it just, you don't, I mean, I don't know if, what what if he really, I mean, what if they didn't do anything for him? I don't know. Right. I mean, what if he was just doing them for What if it made him really
0: strong but actually hurt his conditioning? Yeah. You know?
1: What if he would have been way better
0: off of him? I don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: um, I do. we, we just tried
0: to suck you into being a score loser and you didn't fall for it. No, I mean, those
2: are things that I really, when I, when I hear that and I watch the documentary and people are like, even like national championship football, like all this basketball stuff that's going on right now, like they're all going to be stripped. And I'm like, well, that's cool. But the athletes didn't get to feel it at the time. You yeah. know what? I, I just feel like that's, I don't know what all the like outcomes are going to be when these things are getting stripped, but I'm like, cool. But we didn't get to party on the field or you didn't get to stand on the podium because this yeah. guy's juicing or you didn't get the financial reward. Yeah. Which we I always, about I always also. joke
1: around, uh, cause once it came out, it's like, oh, it's a matter of time. So I'll be a, I'll be a bronze medalist here soon. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to, they're going to send me the medal in the mail. I'm going to run around my living room with a flag. No, like we'll, have, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a, no, we'll, we'll have a party we'll for you. A yeah,
2: We will. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But I do, Tervel, if you can speak, if you don't mind, he was also telling a story about just like, This man's condition, like the um, when he touched his skin, I think that's very interesting. Just because you are in a combat sport, that he was different, so
1: yeah. I mean, I've wrestled a lot of strong people, and I mean, it was when you touch a human being, it feels like a human being, just one's really strong, or maybe like they move you, but it's like there's still skin, there's still flesh, and you can dig your fingers into them.
0: There's a certain density though, that's exactly. the same. And
1: and I just remember the first time I wrestled this guy, I would I you know, I just locked up basic basic collar, you know, grabbed his head, grabbed his shoulder. And I remember thinking, like like in the middle of the match, like, what is this? Like it was it was like putting your hand on a cinder block. There was no give. Like even when I was even when I was pulling his elbows, his his skin didn't rotate. It was like my hand was sliding straight off. And it was like he was, it, it was, it was like nothing I've ever felt. Mm-hmm. It was just bizarre.
2: Interesting. No. So cool. So let's talk about, so Olympics are over. You're done. What? Let's talk about that mental space that you're in. Are you already planning? Like, are you already coaching at this point in time? Do you have plans post Olympics or is it like the Olympics are over? It's your second time. And you're like, Oh, I need to like, a job now how does that how does that go um
1: yeah i mean i was planning on going into coaching so i already had a couple of i was talking to some people about opportunities and stuff so um yeah so i wasn't super concerned is that a
2: given if you're an olympic in in wrestling an olympian are you pretty much taken care of like you feel like i can guarantee coach what what
0: you got to think of too is you know the entire that eight-year cycle where he's wrestling at the ohio rtc to make the olympics and world teams. He's kind of already a pseudo coach in the room okay. Okay. so it's like you know the, the high level guys at the RTC they're not officially a coach but they're working with the athletes through the RTC so it's already kind of a, it's just a natural transition from there to being officially okay. A coach. okay so
2: you're not like full-time athlete and then it's just cut off you're already kind of weaving in the I, next, mean, you know, the next I mean you I mean
1: wrestling is so hands-on that it's like I need I can't develop without people mm-hmm. so you need partners so you get partners they're sometimes they're younger you help them and then on your off time, you know, it's like, so you just develop a relationship. When you have to like, like grab someone and roll around with them like every day, like you develop relationships with them, right? <laughs> so you wanna see them win, so you go in, you help them. So there's a natural progression in sports like that. But yeah, I, it was a weird transition. I think I'm settling into it, but last year was a bizarre transition from the highs, extreme highs, extreme lows of being a competitor personally, to not. Because even as a coach, it's like as much as you, it's a different worry. Like I worry that the guys that that don't achieve what they go to achieve will fall so low and beat themselves up so bad that they won't be able to climb out of it. Because for for you, it's like... You know how you're going to react. Like mm-hmm. when, when I lose a match, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to be mad for a while. Then I'll get over it. And when I win a match, I'm going to be super happy for a while. I'll get over it. But you just don't know how people think. So it's like at any moment, like I have this thought, like at any moment, this kid could snap and just quit and, and you know, it's like, or like, or like hate wrestling or mm-hmm. not believe, not, not trust in the coaching staff, you know? So those are like the kind of thoughts, but it's still not glory failure. You know, it's, it's not the extreme highs and extreme lows of a personal competitor and so I was almost like for a year it was like I was on this adrenaline, like junkie, like detox where it was like, I was like, I need like, I was like, look, I was like looking for like, like fulfillment <laughs> right. in emotional I was like, what can get me? like this, this wound up feeling, you know, but now it's like starting should've be... went back to Pokemon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure, that's
1: been safe for that.
0: So you could probably get some pretty big sponsorships. Two time Olympic wrestler, making no, his Pokemon a... debut. No, it's
2: the new Pokemon Go, no, that's it
1: it. crush <laughs> So yeah, but um, yeah, natural transition was natural, but de- definitely different, mm-hmm. definitely different. Like real sustained, the, the middle of life, which is where most life happens, where nothing crazy good is happening, nothing crazy terrible is happening, is a bizarre thing, because for the last decade, I've lived preparing for the next event. Mm-hmm. It's like four weeks to this, six weeks to this, two months to that, one week to this, and it's always like, ah, or ah, oh right? So it's just constantly preparing, succeed, preparing, fit, preparing, succeed, and now it's like do do in the middle. And so it's just a little, a little different.
0: Yeah, so I mean, obviously you want your guys to feel that same thrill of victory, but like at the end of the day, if they lose, I mean, we can still get a pump the next day and go to Whole Foods and like, you won't be totally heartbroken.
1: Exactly, well, it's, it, but isn't like, <laughs> life is funny. Like I was just talking to my buddies, they just won the Nebraska state title in wrestling as a team in Nebraska. And is that the high school level? The high school level. Right. And, and it was funny because it was, I was talking to him and, and it was such a big deal. But it's like everything. It's like such a big deal until it happens. And then it's like the next day, it's like, okay, who's going to be next to your state champ? Yeah. Right. It's right. over it's so like, quick. It's mm-hmm. just nothing. And, and it's almost not fair because your failures seem to stick around much longer than your oh, successes.
2: Yes. I, but we do that to ourselves, though. For like, sure. Because other people, like, I mean, they remember your failures, but I think we do it. We well, extend it way oh, yeah. cool. further.
0: So many people let their failures define themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of letting... But also, too, you can't can't let your victories define yourself either. It's more like you need to let your effort during the process define you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or just... Which is what I've tried to do because I've never really, like, failed miserably or achieved anything great. (laughs) So I I just kind of hang my hat on being good at the process of trying to improve. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think, yeah, that's, that's sustainable life. I mean, because, honestly, you don't want... The guy who's still wearing his gold medal from fourteen years ago—you don't want to hang out with that guy. It's weird. <laughs> and but and the, the guy that's in a severe depression doesn't right. want to hang out with you. Right. But it's like life is going to go on, and so that's why it's so it, it's so important for me to like share like some of these like just just ideas and philosophies in sport because you just don't get to the world doesn't give you the the opportunity to leave a a, a high level sport either broken or cocky you know it's like you either you either are better than people because of what you succeeded or you're a failure and go figure it out so it's like like during the sport if you can start to mold your thinking into there's a process of thinking about this where neither one's going to break me or define me Mm -hmm. right? right so it's just it's important, but it's it's it is it is a it is a skill. I think that preparing that way and changing your thoughts, because like you said, we do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's so much of life's um, just internal, like the, like the depth of your mind and what you do, bad or good, that's self-created. Mm-hmm. But you have to know what that is.
2: Have you read the Practicing Mind? uh uh-uh. do do that too. It's good. Yes, <laughs> and it, listeners also. It's. it's Basically, everything that you're talking about, having, taking, um, understanding that the daily gr- grind or whatnot, finding that enjoyment in, in the practice, not the success. So, and it's in any field also. So you'll, it, it's a short read, but it really helps you switch your mindset on yeah. your goal setting and, and accomplishing them.
1: Because what I've noticed from being a coach and being an athlete is it's it's not so much now settling into things that I like to do, it's, it's really, the task itself is not hugely what was fulfilling. It's, it, it was hidden amongst self-progress. What I actually wanted the whole time was I wanted to see progress in myself. And so with something like a sport, it's on display. You were fifth last year, you're first this year. Progress. Ah, progress. That's why, that's why even for someone that goes first, 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 by their fourth world title, they're like this, man, this is boring. Right. And you're like, but you're a world champ. It's like, there's yeah. no way... Like, like, is it adding to your... Le- it, it, it excites them because it adds to their legacy. But there's no way they're really like, like I did it. It's like, no, it's like now I have to sustain it. And it's mm-hmm. stressful. And, you know, it just gets more and more par. So what I've noticed... And, is, and,
0: it, and it starts to become, okay, now, you're, four, you're instead of your fourth world title, you're bronze. Now you're a failure. Exactly. You yeah. go all the way down, right?
1: <laughs> and so for me, it was... Trying to like sift through was it the task orientation that was addicting, or was it the self progress? And so now all I've had to do is I've restructured just how I think about like I've I've just lessened the the, 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 like the severity of the of the task that I'm progressing in. So it's like if I'm if I do a better job of playing with my kids, like if I get less if I get if I have more patience with them, I get excited about it because that's Mm -hmm. progress and
0: patience. If I, and that is that might be tough for them winning a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: If I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm more loving to my wife, or if I'm, you know, if if even if if I numbers on numbers on a bench press, um, you know, whatever it is, like lower body fat, like whatever whatever I'm doing, it's like all these little things that might not mean anything to anyone else are starting to mean a lot to me, and it's very fulfilling. But it's all about self-progress in different areas of life. And that's how I start to chart. Like, like, like. That's how I get excited about the things now. Is because it's I'm not. I'm not. There's nothing that I have control over. Yes, coaching, but still, coaching is kind of in that weird gray where it's like, how much am I actually doing for these guys?
0: At the end of the day, they still have to get out they there, still, and it's on them. 100%. Exactly. So it's like you do. You're going to do your best, prepare them, and try to mentor them. But exactly. It's at the rel- end of the day, you cannot make them win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: so as far as that, that's not like. And even even that, like when when someone wins a big match. I remember when I won the Olympic trials I couldn't sleep that night. It's like I just wanted to talk to people about it. Like, <laughs> like remember what just happened? Like right. someone, you remember know, how cool like, that was? I'm like looking at Twitter like did anyone update about you, know? I,
2: you still do that. I know I've been in the car with Dustin after matches. He's like Terrell's calling me so I like I think you still like to rehash things. Oh, for sure. But <laughs> well, like,
1: who does it? You no, know? exactly. But now it's like the second someone wins it's like, ah, "Okay,
0: what Okay, who do right, we din- next week? All right, dinner.
1: <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, it, it goes. It's, it's so it's fleeting. fleeting.
2: It's fleeting. Mm-hmm.
0: Meanwhile, they're thinking, like, Coach, can't we talk about what I just did? It was so cool. Let's, let's talk about one last thing before uh, we jump off. Just I just think it will be interesting for people to hear this perspective. Let's talk about Kyle for a minute, you know, just uh, because of the, the interesting relationship that you've had with him. Now, you know, Kyle Snyder, you know, Olympic and world champion and still only in his senior uh, year here at Ohio State. You went through the process of helping recruit him, then you know as a main training partner for him leading up to Rio where he won the Olympic gold, and now as as his primary you know coach as the head coach of the RTC. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you know obviously that type of progression from high school recruit to Olympic champion normally doesn't happen in that short of a time span. So I want you to talk a little because you've been so kind of heavily evolved, involved in the evolution of Kyle. Um, I want you to touch on a little bit what you've seen in his mindset and how it's changed. Obviously, he, you know, someone that already had a very good mindset coming in, but how has that changed from the time he was an 18-year-old recruit to now where he's in the discussion of being one of the best American wrestlers of all time?
1: Um, yeah, Kyle's really, you know, he's, it was, it was good timing for, well, for, for definitely for him because like as I was kind of learning just the reality of, you know, how to, Get more out of yourself, and just just kind of take stress off you, and how to how to how to value the right things, and just exactly what those were, and how to talk to yourself. I was on the back end of my girl, I was 29, 30 years old, but he came in as a 18, 19 year old, and we just kind of like hashed it out together. And I remember we would like challenge ourselves in different ways, and and yeah, I mean, I remember his freshman year, he was you know he didn't open up a lot, he didn't choose to wrestle, he was still just generic. Winner, you know, you wanted to win everything. Generic
0: winner—that's a term for <laughs> I know, it, right? It's good.
1: Um, well, j- just because that's what I mean.
0: And that, what would you define that? Someone who's just—they're trying to win. They're concerned with the win, but not the growth.
1: Exactly. And so, so the problem that we make with with assumptions is we see someone who, anyone who achieves what they want to achieve, must have done it right, and that's crazy. They might have had Ooh. so much talent that they they were operating at sixty percent and they still did it. Right they were just better at 60% than i was at 100 because they're just that good right so so that's the hard truth is like some some people just, talent exists guys talent exists and that's the reality so just so that's why it's you can't just go to people that have necessarily like oh he won let's listen to what he has to
0: say it's right. like you have to have well he's strong let's follow his way of exactly
1: or it's like you have to have an understanding of like of reality, and 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 there are certain things that are going to help someone develop. So it's not about winning; it's about development.
0: I've had this conversation before, you know. Obviously, being a strength coach, talking about other strength plans and athletes and stuff, and I've made the point before. I say, well, that person is strong in spite of their strength program, not because of it. For you sure. know, or maybe this person's. You know this person has great endurance you know in spite of the type of training they're doing you know they just may be naturally gifted or they're tough or whatever so it's not always a plus b equals c and that's the same thing with for know, sure with. well
1: you hear athlete stories like yeah my parents beat me when I lost. Like, oh that's why you're good. Yeah. Cause your parent because you have a bad relationship with your parents. That's why you're good at tennis. Like stop it. No. (laughs) You're
0: You're good. You're good in spite of that.
1: Yeah, you're good in spite Mm -hmm. of that. Like you're special. Like you got through that to be great. Like you know, so there was greatness in there. And so with Kyle, one of the things that that he that is very unique about him is he takes because this stuff is very hard to do. Like don't worry about winning and losing, go have fun. Every coach knows how to say that. It's very difficult to actually do it in the moment because what we tend to do is before a competition, we we want to challenge ourselves. After the competition, we want to we regret that we didn't challenge ourselves. Oh, I should open up more during the competition. We just protect. We we just we're natural. Protect what you want, and I want to win. So at any moment. A mistake could mean my biggest value, if my biggest value is winning, that at any moment if I make a mistake, it could cost me that. So, so what, what, what we were talking about is you got to, You have to brainwash yourself that you're, you, that you're willing to take a loss for the sake of seeing who's better. If he's better than you, go lose. But you go do as much wrestling as possible to make sure the better man wins. Even if it's not you,
0: don't go out there and just try to strategically win yeah. by not shooting and just try to get a exactly. a go behind or a so, cheap so whatever. so
1: it was like we we had this like this over the top idea that it's like I want the better wrestler to win even if it's not me. So we walk out there. You produce the wrestling, and if he's better at it, you freak. You, you take it. You take it like a man, though. But if he, but it, but and then you but then you have something to work on because now you know why he beat you. Right. You have a lot of things that you can get better at development. Where the other side of it is I did nothing and if he beat me, I don't know what to get better at. Do something. And then if he if I won. Because he might have
0: beat you worse if he did something. Yeah,
1: exactly. You don't know if he's if you're better, you know. And then if you won, then it's going to create a vicious cycle of doing nothing is but wins. And then eventually you're gonna to get to someone who does a lot and you're gonna get stressed out and lose. So so his, his ability to take what we talked about and do it. And, and put himself out there on the line, high anxiety, huge situations, and just do, like, like t- walk the talk. So he was the guy that, I was the old guy in the back with the bad bat going, you know what I think will be good for wrestling? <laughs> and then he was the guy going,
0: I'll do it. I'll try it. Okay, Mick, I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> right.
1: and, and he just, and, and now it's like, I mean, he's, I mean, he's a special kid, too, you know, a lot going for him, a lot of God-given ability. And, you know, he's making it his own and he's, you know, progressing and he's he, he's a s- introspective and, and self-motivated. But, yeah, I mean, that was the biggest thing was he could just, all these things, all these cliche things that are good for performance that people say but are scary to do, mm-hmm. he, he dove right in.
0: I think that would have to be the hardest thing. I mean, I've never competed at a high level in anything, but I know anytime I have competed in something, I've never been able to even come close to that. I know like, you know, I have that fear of losing and I wanna win and I'm not gonna perform the same way or think the same way I would in practice or whatever. So I, would, I think that has to be like a monumental task. That's probably impossible for most athletes.
1: For sure. I mean, I would say the earlier you start and the more you communicate with your, with your circle, to make sure the communication and, the, and, the, and how the wording and how people encourage you is all on the same page, the better, because again, think about, it's kids club, right? So so you start at six years old, this is how you win, this is how you win, this is how you win, this is junior high, the win, 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 high school, win, 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 college. Well, now you're elite, so let's perform. Well, I've been winning for 16 years. Like, how do you want me to perform? You know, it's like this, this idea of, of shedding your, of changing your values, the more you're ingrained, the harder it's gonna be. And so it's, it's gonna take an extreme amount of mental fortitude to do that later in life. Possible, yes. Hard, still, and it's always gonna be hard. But the number one factor that I've noticed that can create this shift is honesty. Honesty. In reality honesty with yourself honesty with people so when someone don't not explaining away your losses not not lying to yourself about a guy being good or not not lying to yourself you know I mean I remember one of the biggest stress relievers for me was for a long time just OCD right get ahead get, you know get, put yourself ahead of you is I I would I could never compliment the accomplishments or ability of someone in my weight class like if it was like another weight class that guy's still good at wrestling this guy's in my weight is not that good because i knew i had to beat him so i would but it's like so
0: you're you're trying to diminish their accomplishments exactly but
1: me saying he's not good doesn't mean his single leg's not going to work on me Mm -hmm. so it's like for me there was a huge it'd be like this guy's really good but let's see what i got and then it was like now it's now it's in the challenge the the other one was I'm lying to myself. And, and, and everyone's a realist in the back of their subconscious, so you know when you're lying to yourself. And then the other one's a challenge. This guy's really good, can I beat him? Let's see. So honesty is how you, extreme brutal honesty, first with yourself and then eventually with people. I mean, now it's like, I'm to the point where it's like, if someone asked me about a loss, like, yeah, that dude kicked my butt. and then, But it's like, for me to say that before would be so hard. Because it's like, oh, I could tell you a hundred reasons of why he kicked my butt and why next time it'll be different. It's like, no, no, I just, I absorb. Right. You know, I, I, I was I remember
0: I heard someone after the, it was after The Last World. They like, hey, what do you think you would have done with a, uh... Yeah, who was his draw? You're like probably bronze, same as him. Then, but they wanted you to say, "Oh, well, I could have won if I had that draw." That
1: yeah, was a great draw, but then he had Aguil.
0: You're right. So it's like,
1: yeah, probably would have got beat too. <laughs> that is awesome.
2: No, yeah, but i I sit here as like, I'm obviously not a wrestler at all, but I find so I'm so thankful for our conversation because I have so many parallels in my life and just the business world. Because to me, I'm competing on a daily basis with myself and in business and what we're trying to build. And I think that our listeners can take that away that this isn't just about wrestling and what what you're speaking on is about that battle every day and we have to be honest with ourselves in our in our positions with our jobs in our relationships with our family our spouses but I want to thank you for that cuz I wouldn't think I'd have so much in common with you or that you could no or that you could really impress upon me the, you know, those parallels. And I think it's great for everybody because like, sport and life are paralleled always. And I think that's why we're so drawn to sport all the time is because it, it really helps us unravel and tell the stories of our own lives. It's just sport can kind of tell the story um, more poetically sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like I can't sit here and talk about like business, like listen, when I was looking at that PL <laughs> and I knew I sucked in that expense, tari- you know, that expense account, <laughs> like, but that's the stuff that I do. Like I, you have to parallel it with that business is my sport. So I I think it's interesting that you can bring that to the table for, it's not just wrestling. And I think that's what's cool about after you know, after being a competitor, if you do have that nature, that's going to catapult you for the rest of your career, whether it's coaching or business or what what that is. But and
0: the reverse is maybe you could have been a champion wrestler, Nettie. <laughs> maybe I mean, I still you, could, can. you could have taken you could have taken your business mindset to yes. the wrestling world. You could have been the champ.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I still can see. Yeah, it's true. So. I can it's start not, like, like a, a ladies ladies' um, adult division. Oof, yeah, that's I just got <laughs> I got a lot of visuals right there. <laughs> it's not good, but no. I think that's a great place to wrap up um, yep. and so thankful that you spent time with us I yeah, uh, hope guys. everybody I enjoyed it so uh, All right.
1: thanks yeah.
0: yeah hey guys thanks for listening to the Old School Gym Radio Podcast do us a favor subscribe like share hell even write a book report about how great this podcast is we really appreciate the support thanks for listening